And we're off and running. Good morning, everybody. Larry Kruger, Damon Bruce, 49er Wake Up, episode number three, presented by Palmetto Superfoods. We'll talk Aussie Bowls, and we're going to talk Niner football as the 49ers beat the New York Giants on Thursday night football. And we can dissect it any way you want, but when it was all said and done, 30 to 12. The 49ers get a win. They roll their record to 3-0, and and they get the weekend free after a convincing win against the New York Giants. Good morning, Damon. Good morning, Larry. It is great to see you, and I love that intro, short and to the point. Here we go, and this is exactly the start to the year that a team with great aspirations needed. A 3-0 and start for the 49ers. Relative health seems to be the best way to define that locker room right now. We'll see if there's any ramifications of the uh, uncomfortable position Debo got put in last night. Looks like he hurt his ribs, crunched himself a tiny little bit there. Um, But uh, outside of that, uh, it was a a game, Larry, where it's odd. The 49ers didn't look like they had nearly as good of an offensive night as they actually did. And it didn't feel like they had as good of a defensive night as they actually did. They had an incredible defensive night. They really did. I mean, forget about just holding the Giants to 12 points. What they did last night was hold the New York Giants to 150 total yards. That's the fewest amount of yards in a single game since 2017, Larry. And that game in 2017 was in December, Soldier Field, and it was Jimmy Garoppolo's first start with the 49ers. So it's been a long time since they have held the team down on the mat like they did last night. And uh, they will reap the rewards of an 11-day layoff before they face the Arizona Cardinals. Things are things have officially started very, very well. No, no question about it, Damon. And uh, you know, when you look at it too, what we're now starting to see with three games in the books, some consistent themes for the 49er defense, and one of them is that they do not allow a lot of rushing yards. The Niners have allowed only 159 rushing yards through three weeks and that's somewhat of a historic number damon you got to go back to 1996 uh when the niners allowed 92 rush yards to find a better start through three games for the team in that in that department so yeah defensively they are stopping the run um i think we saw the impact yesterday of a defensive line that has both javon hargrave and nick bosa And you know what's also quietly happening behind the scenes is they're getting some real effectiveness out of Javon Kinlaw. If you looked at, um, and I talked to Javon in the locker room after the game, you know, if you look at the box score, you're not going to find him in it because he didn't make any tackles. But what he did was pressure the quarterback in the interior on the snaps that he was in there. He absorbs blockers and keeps bodies uh, you know, offensive linemen from climbing to that second level to pick off a Dre Greenlaw, an Oren Burks, uh, a Fred Warner. And, you know, Burks, Greenlaw, and Warner all were huge last night for the Niners on defense, largely because of guys like Kinlaw. You give any team's offensive line a long day at the office when you've got Hargrave and Kinlaw on the field together with Nick Bosa was Armstead. Was there ever an Armstead Kinlaw Bosa snap out there? If there was, that's, that should be called the Arby's because that's, that's, (laughs) 
that's the meat right there. They have the beef, and uh, that is just we've got the meats. Yeah, yeah really, really, it is uh, that is thick up front, and then you put Bosa and Drake Jackson around that. It's just look, every single defensive coordinator really has but one wish. Let me get to the quarterback without throwing a blitz at him. When you can get four down defensive linemen putting pressure on a quarterback, it allows whatever your defensive imagination in the secondary with your linebacker play, whatever you want to do back there, you can do back there. If you can put pressure on a quarterback with four human beings up front, or as we're talking about a five man front that we saw for the first time this season last night. So Steve Wilkes, uh, dialed up a couple of timely blitzes. But if you like the concept of blitzing and you are a New York uh, Giants fan, last night was the greatest game you're ever going to watch, right? I mean, that was a ridiculous amount of blitzing that the Giants put against Brock Purdy. I saw Jeff Dini pro football focus Brock Purdy on 33 of 39 dropbacks. That's 84%, 84.6. So let's just call it 85. Yeah. And if you include the four plays that didn't happen because of penalties, they came 37 of 43 times with a blitz on Brock Purdy. That's better than 86%. The NFL average last year for a blitz, an aggressive blitz, is about 31%. They were coming after Brock Purdy all night long. I mean, yeah. w- w- there was a decision made. We are going to live or die by the blitz. And the blitz did make Purdy uncomfortable. I think we both agree, Larry. Um, you know, th- there's no reason for us to protect Brock Purdy for from any criticism. He deserved some of the criticism that he got early in that game. I thought he looked, he just looked off. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He looked off in his early drives, but he stuck with it. Kyle Shanahan stuck with him, never lost confidence in him. And when it was all said and done, an incredibly quiet 300-plus passing yard game for Brock Purdy is what happened. And it happened with a few plays that popped around the line of scrimmage. I mean, Debo running tunnel screens out there and picking up big first downs and momentum swing downs on third down, which the 49ers played well on last night. We've always said third down's a quarterbacking down. And that's when Brock you know, stepped up and made his plays. So 49er fans just have to be very happy with what they saw. And you and I, man, when we were uh, doing a little post game, I slipped into your post game show last night and we want to welcome everyone here. Larry, look what I'm going to slip in to today's broadcast. What do you got there? Look at the acai bowl. Look at how gorgeous that is. Can you tilt it without turning it over? I can't. Well, the thing is, I put it in the freezer overnight, so it's it's like a brick right now. It's frozen solid. Oh, but it looks still looks great. Delicious that looks. Bananas and strawberries and acai and coconut and acai coconut. There's so much going on there, Larry. You go ahead. Delicious. Hit hit him with the promo code, Larry. Hit him with the promo code. All right, DB. promo code is coming. Promo code is coming. Promo code. Promo code has arrived. Let me get rid of this comment. DBLK15 gets you 15% off an order at Palmetto Superfoods. Locations throughout the Bay Area, more coming. They are absolutely delicious. I didn't stop with one, though, Larry. I got another one. This is called, like, the Caribbean, and this has got little, mang- the little, 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 I don't even know what the hell's in this one. I haven't even tried it yet, but it just looks so good. I had to order it, too. These are delicious, refreshing, absolutely good for you. Uh, Get your morning going in the right direction. 
There you go. With no more bacon and, and eggs. No more greasy spoon. Greasy spoon. Get the hell out of here. It's well, time for the OCE bowl and some yoga pants. You won't have to feel nearly as bad about that greasy spoon that you had on Saturday or Sunday if you start your week with one of those. And look at us wrapping up our week here on a Friday on 49ers Wake Up. But as I was saying, Larry, uh, someone said that's diabetes in a cup. No, it's not. This is no, not, not a whole bunch of joke sugar. This is this is all this is natural. This is honey. Sweetened by the fruit itself. Sweetened by agave. Things that are good for you. Don't take my word for it. Look at it this way. I'm a fat boy. I don't care if this thing is good for you or not. Is it delicious? Is pretty much the only box I'm looking to check when I eat anything. <laughs> this thing is delicious. It just also happens to be healthy and good for you. So we so we, go get yourself one for sure. Everybody it. needs to try. It. You know, there's those things in life, Jamin, that if you try it, you'll like it. This is one of them. It if is. you try this, you will like it. You will come back. 100%. It's as simple as that. One hundred percent. It's it's sort of like you and I talking about the 49ers. Just try it once. You'll be back. It's good to have you here. Anyways, uh, I was doing a, a post game show. Had a great audience in there last night, Larry. Thank you again for helping me build this channel. It's really happening. Some great things. Num great numbers for me. The biggest watched week in my channel's history this past week. Thanks to you. Thanks to an epic san francisco giants rant which we'll save that for the end but uh <laughs> you and i uh were uh doing our post game shows last night when i wrapped up with mine i hopped into yours and i thought we had a bay area baller and john dickinson the great john the, dickinson uh, dude jd dropped what i think is without a doubt not just the stat of the night but the stat of the year so far for the 49ers from last which one's that game. 310 passing yards for brock purdy 215 of those passing yards were yards after the catch. Brock only put the ball in the air for 95 yards last night. Everything else was done on the legs of Debo and Kittle and Ronnie Bell, who had himself his first good, real good game in a 49ers uniform. Uh, Christian McCaffrey just continues to be one of the 10 best football players in this league, regardless of position. He is so special. He is yep so critical to what the Niners plans are this year. Um, this is this, th that's an incredible number though of 310 passing yards 215 come after the catch. Larry, we talked wow. about the stuff that makes Kyle Shanahan like touch himself at night. That is a number. <laughs> <laughs> that is a number that Kyle Shanahan fantasizes about. That's, that's a fantasy. Well, let's talk about this for a second because let's talk about how this got to this point. The Giants lost week one to the Cowboys, 40 to nothing. They were trailing 20 to nothing to the Cardinals in week two at halftime. And the Giants last year were 13th in the NFL in sacks, and they had zero sacks in you know in the first two games. So what did what did Martindale, their their defensive coordinator, do at halftime of the Arizona game in week two? He just said, I'm bringing the house, baby. If we're going down, we're going to burn this thing down. I'm going to blitz, blitz, and blitz some more. And that is really what led to their comeback against the Arizona Cardinals in week two. They came back in that game. They outscored uh, the Cardinals in the second half like 28-3, to and they wound up winning the game. Um, and so when I'm watching that, I'm saying to myself, guess what? They're bringing the blitz on Brock Purdy 
because Brock Purdy's a young quarterback. He's not Stafford. He's not he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not one of these guys that if you blitz him, you know, he, he's definitely going to burn you. He's a young quarterback. So I knew they were going to bring the blitz, and I knew this was going to be kind of one of these kind of a muddy game, and I'm sure Kyle Shanahan knew it as well. Um, and a lot of people, and the Giants blitzed the Niners, as you said, 33 of 39 dropbacks. That was 85% of the dropbacks on the night. They brought some form of a blitz. Now, I went into the locker room after the game and talked to, to you know, some of the old linemen. Um, I got the chance to talk one-on-one with Colton McKivitz. I got the chance to hear Jake Brendel and, and Aaron Banks talk a little bit about this. Banks gave up his first sack of the year, by the way. But they knew that that um, not only were the Giants coming with blitzes, Damon, that they were going to come with well-timed and exotic blitzes from all different directions using all different kinds of players. Safety blitzes, corner blitzes, outside linebackers coming off the edge. And sure enough, it was right. a well-coordinated blitz. But if credit Jake Brendel. What's that? If there's a gap, they're going to shoot it. <laughs> exactly. And Jake Brendel, credit Jake Brendel, who did a phenomenal job. Brendel is a really intelligent guy. He had to be on his mental, you know, highest point to recognize all these blitzes, know which direction to slide the line, make all the proper calls. Brock Purdy last night against the blitz, 20 of 31 for 247 yards and two touchdowns. As, as Dave uh, Lombardi tweeted out, this was a master class uh, on how to handle the blitz. In fact, Purdy averaged 2.42 seconds, which was his average snap to release last night. That's the third fastest time in the NFL this season and only behind Tua and Burrow. And, that, and the Giants blitzed at this crazy rate, and it just demanded that the ball get out quick. And Purdy did it very efficiently. Now, you can criticize him in the first half, and there were some really bad throws. I thought the throw, there was an interception that he threw that that was going to be an interception that George Kittle batted down early in the game. The the, the end zone pass that he threw to Debo on the Niners' sideline in the first half was a ball that just floated, and anybody could have picked it off. Luckily, he got away with that. But what did Brock do? The Niners were, were 7 of 10 on third down conversions in the first half and built them built themselves a an 11 point lead. They were up 17-6 um going into the third quarter and going into halftime. So, you know, I know and then and Bur- and then Purdy came out in the second half and he was really good in the second half. And a lot of people were like, "Well, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy." Brock Purdy in the second half last night, 11 of 14 for 153 yards and a touchdown. And the ball that he threw to Debo to cap the night was a flat-out dime. So, you know, we can be, you know, we can be critical of Brock Purdy, and some of it is absolutely justified. But when all the smoke is cleared, Damon, the Niners have scored 30 or more in six consecutive regular season games. That's a new franchise record. We just saw Purdy have his bad game, still threw for 300-plus yards, and put up 30 points, and the Niners won going away. So the Niners are now 3-0. They're atop the NFC, and they get out of Week 3 relatively healthy compared to some of the other teams in the league. And I think if you're a 49er fan this morning, 
you got to feel really, really good. And there were a lot of people on Twitter, especially, and I, I didn't see it in real time, but I saw it after the game, you know, going back through the Niner tweets and all the stuff related to the game. There were people burying Brock Purdy. He's not good enough, this and that. It wasn't his masterpiece, but if you get blitzed as much as he gets got blitzed as a young player, a lot of times the reason got D coordinators do this, Damon, is to get in that quarterback's head, make him rushed and hurried, and then hopefully he'll start making mistakes and hand you the football in turnovers. It did not happen. The Niners won the turnover battle. They didn't turn it over at all. They controlled the ball almost two to one time of possession. They almost had three times as many yards as the Giants and two and a half times their points. So, you know, I mean... Brock Purdy's not perfect, but guess what? Brock Purdy is still undefeated in games that he's started and finished in his career. That's pretty amazing. One of the things that I thought about is, you know, look, there is a cottage industry out there online, on YouTube, on Twitter, where people have decided to set up shop trying to sell you for their living what Brock Purdy is not. And obviously, there's some people who've had success with this, and God bless, go with God. I don't even want to relitigate this on a weekly. We basis. won't. We don't need to. But there is a cottage industry trying to explain to you what co- what what Brock Purdy isn't. Now, there's also a cottage industry of people blowing smoke up your rear end, trying to pretend some things are there. And you and I are not those people. We are not going to sell you greatness when it's not in front of us. And last night was not a great game out of Brock Purdy. It was good. It was efficient. But what we saw it was really as, good in the second half. As always, the star of the show for Kyle Shanahan is the system, is the game plan. And the game plan, although it sputtered at time, when it was done, it was pretty much executed perfectly considering they faced a blitz rate that you don't even face playing your drunk buddy on a Saturday night in a game of Madden. You know, I mean, it was, <laughs> exactly. It was a all-out assault of go get him no matter what, and Purdy survived that. What I also want to bring up, and I thought of this last night, again, we're really good post-game. You give us, Larry, a night to sleep on something, that's when we get dangerous, and it's great to have everybody here for 49ers Wake Up. When I was a kid, the 49ers as a franchise defined what it was to have a franchise quarterback. I was born in 1975, I am, you know, eight, nine, ten years old in the dawn of the great Montana era that then becomes the Steve Young era. And as someone who grew up a Bears fan, I couldn't help but be wildly jealous of this concept of you don't. Oh, you mean you're allowed two great quarterbacks in your lifetime? I, I haven't even seen one yet as a Bears fan. I was like, but we got Walter Payton. That's fun. And it was fun. He was great. But sweetness. Uh, he was special, Larry. But here's the deal. And this is the point. I sort of went off, off off kilter there for a minute. The franchise that defined the concept of franchise quarterback with two Hall of Fame greatest to ever do it franchise quarterbacks have never, ever put 30 games, 30 points in a row up in six consecutive games. Wow. That's but amazing. This, but this kid has, but this kid has in this system with this coach. And for those who have wanted to illuminate what isn't around the 49ers, here's what is. More production than the greatest memory your daddy has. I mean, that's the truth. It's the honest to God's truth. In a league that is officially harder to be successful in, 
than back in the day. Well, I don't know. There's an argument to be made there, but just everyone's got a ridiculous amount of talent. Everyone's got a good coach. Everyone's got a coordinator who's an inch away from becoming a head coach themselves. There's talent dripping in this league. The difference between the best team in football and the worst team in football is this. Where in Major League Baseball, it's this. In the NBA, it's this. In hockey, it's this. You know, there is so little difference between the haves and the have-nots in this league. So to sustain anything for like a half a year, an 8-10 game run is really amazing. It really is. And what the 49ers have produced since Brock Purdy started being under center for Kyle Shanahan is nothing short of the most productive, successful scoring offense, the franchise who gave you Jerry Rice, who gave you Joe Montana, who gave you Steve Young, who gave you Jonathan Taylor and Roger Craig and a list of the all-timers. They never did that. These guys are doing that. Well, okay. In fairness to the old school guys, the several rules have changed through the years to make the league more offensive. We have to I, at least you, mention that. We have to mention I that. Said it, I reeled it in. Did you feel yeah. me there? I, as soon as I said it, I reeled. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just I'm picturing Steve Young watching this, screaming, going, "Damon, Damon!" <laughs> no, but uh, but but you're right. I mean, you're right. The league has changed though, and there is it is more an offensive league, but. I, I think I, this morning I'm just here to push back on I know there'll be people out there who'll be like, Brock Purdy was bad last night and they won anyway. No, he was not bad. That's an idiot take. The truth is that Brock Purdy did an incredible job of protecting the football against a, a defense that blitzed at a historically high rate, which they had to prepare for on on a, you know, on what, one day of, of, of prep? You know, two days of prep. I mean, they only had one day of practice, and they didn't have any practice. It was just a walkthrough. They had a series of a couple walkthroughs, some meetings, um, and other than that, they rested up and got ready for Martindale, who's a veteran defensive coordinator, who was desperate and brought the house in every direction possible. And I'll credit Martindale, man. I don't know that he had one or two blitzes that were alike. I mean, if you go, I mean, I went and watched the, I got the NFL plus. So I came home last night and, you know, got home at 1 AM and watched the, uh, watched the, um, the condensed version or whatever, or, or got home around midnight, watched it till 1 AM. You know, you can get every play of the game and I'm sitting there pre-snap pausing this thing going, oh my God, this guy's bringing a different blitz. Then I'm, I'm writing what that blitz is down. Then all of a sudden it's go to the next play. Oh my God! This guy's bringing a different angle on the blitz, and they they must have brought ten to twelve different looks. Um, I mean, it was probably more like fifteen or twenty, but I mean, I I counted ten or twelve through the first three quarters, and it was it was an amazing thing. So, the Brock Purdy played bad. No, Brock Purdy got you know didn't take didn't turn the football over against an array, a dizzying array of different blitzes um, on a short week with very little very little uh, time to prepare in what, you know, is in one of his early starts of his career. I mean, I, I was very, very impressed. And when you go and compare that to what we've seen at quarterback, um, I mean, here's, a, here's one on the, on the chat from uh, Akshay. He says, Purdy, Purdy is light years ahead. 
of Jimmy when it comes to processing and poise. Couldn't agree more. How about this one from the Smitty? Purdy already reads the defense well. Get him better um, ready blitzes, and he'll take the he'll take the practice. Um, you know, I mean, he's there's no question that it wasn't a it wasn't a, a masterpiece, and he definitely had some throws that were that could have been picked, but they weren't picked. And you know, it's like you can sit there the coulda, woulda, shoulda. At the end of the day, you put up thirty and won again. So uh, I feel, I mean, I feel great about the situation they're in right now. Um, I mean, they did this all. We didn't even mention this yet. They did this all without the great Brandon Ayuk um, and and Debo Samuel, CMC, um, George Kittle, Juwan Jennings, Ronnie Bell. Uh, they all played pretty damn well. Pretty damn well. Some it was an amazing. It, if you really think about it, it, it was an impressive win when you consider all the factors from last night. And when you consider all the factors from last night in the absence of Ayuk and the struggle of just finding rhythm of Purdy, I thought George Kittle played one of his best games in a 49ers uniform last night. He was really good. He didn't get into the end zone, but God, he was there moving the chain, safety valve. And uh, Kittle just had a, a, an exemplary performance last night, all things considered. And look, it, it, it was a good game, Larry. It's also a game that come Monday we're never going to talk about again. You know what I mean? It's just handling the business of a Thursday night game. Get out of it. There, there's no reason to sit around and nitpick what was great or not great about a Thursday night performance because the whole thing gets tossed around in the hopper and you just, you know, good luck with that. It's, that's a, Thursday night football is good luck with that. There's enough chaos surrounding how you prepare to this game that you should expect the unexpected. And Thursday is a night where bad football happens, where funny things happen. So just survive a Thursday night game. They did. You mentioned on the post game show, your post game show last night, Larry, that, um, you know, it's really good to get this out of the way early and they have, but they have another one coming. They're playing the late game on Thanksgiving. Uh, so that means you and I have a busy Friday morning, the day after Thanksgiving. Don't uh, don't eat too much turkey. Uh, Black Friday. We, were you saying we're not going to be sleeping in line at Best Buy, hoping to save one hundred and fifty dollars off a flat screen and maybe fighting in the parking lot? I mean, how many inches are we talking? Are we talking 77 <laughs> inches? Because I, I will knock a grandmother out for 77 inches of television. Get out of the way, grandma. I'm getting my, I'm getting my Samsung. Um, look, it, it was, it was a game where the 49ers did what they needed to do to beat a team that isn't very good, but probably played better than a lot of people expected. Here's the thing, Brian Dayball, at least your team's still physical, you know, that there's no doubt that the, they might not be, you know, carving knife sharp yet, but the giants remain physical. Micah McFadden, dude, I'm telling you, he's he had a great game. Why. He's the reason why Indiana actually had a good year a couple of years ago. Uh, he's a Hoosier, by the way, and he was the best defensive player on the field last night for the Giants. He might have been the best defensive player on the field, just on the field last night. He, he was fantastic. He was everywhere. Um, There's one controversy coming out of New York is that Mike Kafka, who's also a Chicago guy, he went to Northwestern. Mm -hmm. You remember Kafka, the former Northwestern quarterback. He's he's the Giants OC, and I think he's a good young OC, but there's a little controversy that there's people suggesting and everything's very covert. Nobody said anything direct, but that Brian Dable may have been calling the plays offensively, 
not just last night, but also in the second half against the Cardinals and taking some of that play-calling responsibility off of Kafka uh, just because the Giants had struggled and Dable himself obviously is an offensive coach who's had a lot of success. Um, but that's kind of the controversy coming out of New York. But, I mean, this the, on paper, the Niners should have won this game. There was no Saquon Barkley. The Niners have a great D-line. Um, the, the, the New York Giants have a rookie center. They had the whole left side of their offensive line dinged up, um, you know, on, and, and major advantage Niners. And then, you know, the Niners have big-time receivers, even though Ayuk didn't go. The Giants have rookie, a pair of rookie corners and Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins the third. Um, so the Niners should have won. But, you know, come on. I mean, it's the way it's a it's sometimes the most difficult thing to do in sports is to do what is expected of you. Oh, yeah. The burden of expectations has has been, you know, overcome a lot of teams through the years. We've seen it in every sport imaginable and every way imaginable. So they're all great wins. Um, and I thought, you know, you Kyle Shanahan looked very happy. He pulled up to Debo's locker in the in the post game to check on his star receiver in his physical condition. And and people were bashing um Kyle, by the way, because he didn't run out to the field when Debo lost his wind. I was watching that play on the binoculars and from you know from the eighth floor of the sky tower. So I'm looking, I'm honed in right on Debo when he makes that catch. And it was obvious to me. He had the ball up by his solar plexus and he and he and he was holding it like a runner. And then somebody hit him from behind and landed their full weight on top of him. So he's got the weight of another person, and then he's landing on the ball right on his solar plexus. Well, anybody who's ever played football, who's ever been hit right there, knows that's that's not that's not like oh my god, he's totally destroyed. It, it's like hey, he lost his air. So instead of running out there like a you know Pop Warner coach, Kyle Shanahan lets the medical people go do what they're paid to do, and he's looking at his sheet. And then I'm reading on Twitter last night all these people ripping Shanahan for not showing enough uh, you know worry about Debo. And it's like then I see Debo in the locker room, you know, laughing it up with Shanahan, and he was checking in with them um, before you know, you know, at Debo's locker, you know, in the post game to just make sure he was okay and talk about a few things. And, you know, these guys are, are tight. These guys are, are good. I mean, it's, it's amazing how the reality of the reality never finds its way to the reality of the social media discussion. Well, again, it's agendas. If you're criticizing a head football coach, for you know look at it this way you got trainers to go worry about that injured player i want you worried about the next play i want you in strategy i'm thinking about the next play mode and i'm not trying to say that we don't care about people but you got a job to do and you're at work and we'll worry about compassion a little bit later on half the people watching football shouldn't be watching football you're all pussies love Damon. well and you know if this were a war and this was like a trench war the general doesn't run out and there's medics that run out exactly you know yeah. you know I mean, it's like come on i mean and, and to criticize shanahan for that it's just it just kind of shows people are grasping at straws exactly. the guy put together a really good game plan uh he found a way to utilize and first the other thing we haven't even mentioned yet the niners not only did they have to deal with a defensive coordinator who you knew was going to bring the house and did, but without Ayuk, 
they had to change up their formations. There was a ton of two tight end looks last night. And yet, you know, they're still trying to do a lot of the same things that they normally do, but they're trying to do it out of a two tight end look. Sometimes they're putting Kittle in the backfield as a fullback. I mean, Shanahan worked extra hard, I'm sure, on trying to make this, you know, create the eye candy, create the illusion of, of you know, change, while at the same time doing on a short week what his team has is is right is is you know is is uh, comfortable doing and used to doing so i thought it was in some ways when you really think about all the factors it was one of the better offensive weeks for kyle shanahan and to criticize him on that for not running out to see debo is like what this isn't pop warner football Here's the way you got to think about that Debo injury. Thank goodness he didn't crack a rib. Thank goodness there's no problem with any cartilage in between the ribs. And that's it, folks. This, you know, we're not out. We're, this isn't about handing out orange slices at halftime. This is <laughs> professional football. So enough of that. Um, the system is the thing, Larry. I mean, there, I just kept on thinking that the system is the thing more than anything else, more than any player in this system. The system is the star of the system and the system can produce if not a, you know, look, it was not a great red zone night for the 49ers. I think Brandon Ayuk being out of the game has a little to do with that. There's also some decisions that Kyle would like back, I'm sure. Uh, two touchdowns and three field goals on five red zone trips. So at least you are scoring. And all those field goals that felt like you're settling for the lesser of of what you wanted, they it all adds up. And, and Kyle was a little bit conservative last night. I think it was a night to be a little bit conservative based on, the game that you were in and who you were playing and Saquon Barkley's not there, which means any criticism of Mike Kafka feels a little mistimed because of course the giants aren't operating right now because the most important player in their system is out of the system. And when Kyle's got a healthy system, they just produce, they produce again, the 30 points in a row for a franchise record, six consecutive regular season games last night, Larry, uh, you know, my question was, is Kyle going to come out and find six on the opening drive yet again? He didn't. He had to settle for a field goal after he ran 15 plays. The first half scoring drives were plays of uh, 15 plays, 11 plays, 11 more plays in the third drive. And then the field goal in the third quarter to push the lead back to eight. That was an 11 play drive. The field goal to go back up 11 points. That was an eight play drive. Kyle just understands when look when they can control the tempo of the game and i've said this and people interpreted it as an insult because people think that the concept of front runner is an insult i don't mean front runner as anything other than describing a situation when kyle has a lead and a clock and a running game going he's fantastic he's really good he's great at playing with a lead and now this leads to the frustration. Well, what about the leads that they gave up in the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl? Hey, two games which were not ideal times to blow leads. But normally, when Kyle has a lead, he sits on it and he gets a little conservative. And it was the I, I just thought it was a night full of very good decisions, if not a great passing attack. It was all good. It was a good night of football. And I don't know if you get greatness on a Thursday night on a short week. So you know, take good when it's offered. And the 49ers were were good last night. And there's a lot that they can improve on. I'll tell you the thing that I'm concerned about a little bit. 
you know, Brock has got the big hands. He has fumbled a, a quarterback center snap exchange two weeks in a row in this could change the game territory. That's got to stop. I mean, that's, the, you know, the, we can say all the nice things about Brock Purdy we want to. You got to handle that snap, son. That can't happen again. It shouldn't happen again this year. It, it really shouldn't. That that I, I, I can't remember a single blown center snap exchange with, you know, a lot of great quarterbacks. I don't remember one, much less back-to-back weeks. And yeah, we I mean, there's no question, but I mean, the, he fell on it. I mean, or the yeah. Niners recovered it. Sure. I mean, here's the other thing. The Niners have won 13 straight regular season games. Um, in none of those games, they, they've won 13 straight regular season games with no more than one turnover in any of the 13 games. That is the longest such streak in NFL history. So they've done a really good job of taking oh, taking care of the football. As far as the plan, I thought the plan was even better than the execution. And we talked about it in the pregame, and heck, we talked about it in the days leading up to uh, the game. There were lots of boxes that we wanted to see checked, right? Um, and I thought almost all of them were checked. Like, for example, you always want to maintain some offensive balance. The Niners did. 37 pass attempts, 39 runs. Um, that's that's fantastic balance. You wanted to see McCaffrey, in, but you also wanted to see his load lessened a little bit, and you wanted to see the introduction of the other backs, and you wanted to see other guys run the ball. Well, the combination of Debo and Husechek and Mason and Mitchell um, combined for, what, 16 runs? So you had 16 runs for those guys, 18 runs for CMC. I think that's great. That's exactly kind of what I wanted to see. The other thing that I thought was really cool, really important, and we talked about this a lot leading in, if you do shorten the game by running the heck out of the football, and the Giants had not stopped the run worth a damn um, in the first two weeks of the year, uh, teams had averaged almost 140 yards on the ground against them in the first two weeks. So you knew the, the Niners knew they wanted to run it. But when you run it that much, when you run it almost 40 times a game, you're shortening the game a little bit. You're limiting. You look how you mentioned it already. How long these drives were. You're limiting the number of drives you're going to have in the game. So what does that put a real, um, you know, extra importance on? Taking care of the football. Because if you have a 15 play drive and you fumble, now you've 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 wasted clock time and you didn't get points. So, you know, they took care of the football. They balanced the run pass. They got running backs not named CMC uh, several runs and a, a, a good percentage. They operate. They scored 30 without what I think is their number one receiver in Brandon Ayuk. Um, and with Kittle dinged up, um, you know, they, they introduced Ronnie Bell. He got into the end zone. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was a very impressive performance. They, they uh, Jawan Jennings, I thought, could have made – I thought Jennings was going to go off. I thought Jennings was going to have nine, ten catches, but they threw him three balls. He caught two. So, you know, it, there was a lot of good things. And then we, you know, we, we're going, we're, you know, several, we're, we're 38 minutes, almost thir- almost 40 minutes into the show. We haven't even mentioned that Jake Moody, the rookie kicker, is now nine for nine on field goal attempts in the regular season and nine for nine on PATs. He's the first kicker 
in NFL history to hit three field goals and three PATs in each of his first three career games. And I talked to him in the locker room afterwards, and he's getting comfortable. So, you know, I mean, it's there were a lot of good things that happened last night. Let's just say it that way. No doubt. A lot of good things. The system worked. And this is a talented football team. And on, on weeks where you don't have an awful lot of time to get granular in your game prep, you're going to have to lean on your talent to make plays. And Christian McCaffrey, that guy makes plays. Debo Samuel, that guy makes plays. Uh, these are two unbelievably difficult to take down just all kinds of scrapple to them every single play that they run football players and then you factor in George Kittle who can you know sort of disappear on a weekly basis at times or you know he gets buried with some blocking assignments on the line of scrimmage so he's not putting up that big fantasy game he's been hurt too he's not 100 percent well uh, look it's his seventh year in the league he's probably never going to be 100 percent a single day of his life going forward after seven years in the NFL but he's out there he is. He's out there. And last night, again, it was it was one of his better games in a long time that I can remember. Um, Bosa had his first sack of the season, nearly a safety. Larry, I, I look, I understand the rule and your your stopped player forward momentum. There should be an exception on the goal line. If you can pick up a quarterback and put him in the end zone, that should be a safety. That should have been a it safety. Sure line. looked like a safety. Wow. I mean, I mean, now I, I think in 1978, that's a safety. Oh, hundred percent that's a safety in 78. But yeah, you know, it's it's not 1978 anymore. And were we were we even tracking sacks in 78? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not actually. But um, I mean, in the eighties, that was a safety. Yeah. I mean, it had all the looks of a safety. Uh, and it was good to see Nick Bosa get off. Let's be honest. I mean, Nick Bosa, um, you know, and and he, he obviously missed some time, um, but he's a force. He's a force in nature. And Hargrave and Bosa playing together, you're starting to see what 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 the potential is of that. And yeah. if Javon, two unstoppable guys, if Javon Kinlaw can also be out there being the run stuffing cork while Hargrave gets uber aggressive, looking to push the quarterback between the guards, it's, I mean, again, when Steve Wilkes thinks about what he needs to really have a great year. He needs his defensive line putting pressure on a quarterback, and boy, he's got one of those set up. Uh, I thought Isaiah Oliver played very well last night. I know we talked a little bit about him. You brought up um, some hand-waving off of Mooney Ward that I did not see. I must have been making a note. Take us Fourth quarter, that. they were, they were yeah. trying to debate who's had the receiver on the weak side and who had the tight end uh, who was flexed out, and it seemed like Mooney – Thought he wanted was going to take the tight end. Oliver's job as the nickel, uh, as the slot corner, was probably to take the flexed out tight end. There was a little bit of confusion. Now we see confusion all the time in football, um, but it was odd because they usually will have like one. There's a confusion confusion moment, and then there's a quick communication, and then guys go to their spot. This was Oliver literally had a two-hand push Mooney to the other side of the formation because they were both debating this, and I'm sure it will come up uh, when people review the film and ask Steve Wilkes about that later this week um, because it was very odd. You don't, you just don't see it. Luckily, Jones threw incomplete to Waller 
uh, on the play, and so the Niners were not burned. But you could you could make an argument, and I would bet because I, I I would bet that Ward really was not really covering anybody when that ball was snapped. Well, I thought Isaiah Oliver had another really good game, and I thought that he did a better job defending Darren Waller than just about anybody else in that secondary. And maybe his familiarity with what Steve Wilkes wants out there made him say, you know, hey, I, I, I know this situation. I know this play better than you do, Mooney. So you get over there. I'm going to take this. And and if, if we're looking for Isaiah Oliver to really emerge as the player he was brought in to maybe be for this team, I look at that as a good moment. I don't, you know, there's the, a little on-field argument to me is called normal. That's I'm not worried about that at all. And again, if the play doesn't hurt you, no harm, no foul. Um, you know, what's amazing. Even with Kyle Shanahan as your coach in a buttoned up offense like this, there's still a lot of stuff that just happens on a football field. Oh, sure. It, it really is. There, there's guys who are out there and they look there like they're lined up correctly and they're still not. There are little brain farts happening everywhere. And all of a sudden, this well-designed ballet is more of a, uh, you know, an improv improvisational jazz, you know, I mean, it, 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 things that were, you know, oh, what a great timing route. Actually, that wasn't a timing route. That was hold your breath and good luck with it. And and it worked. I mean, it, it, it works more often than it fails the 49ers. They're, they're good. When you're good, you get a little bit more lucky in this league. Um, I thought Purdy had three phenomenal throws. He had three other throws, two in the first drive, which could have been, you know, interceptions. He he got away with a couple last night. He did. Yeah. Um, but you know what, Damon? He's been remarkably consistent. I mean, this was a stat that I read late last night. Since Brock's last interception, Damon, and this includes the postseason, Brock Purdy is 125 for 190. Uh, which is 66%. It's remarkable when you look at his um, what he's done in the NFL on a per-game basis and then what he did at Iowa State. He's always right there, 65, 66, 67, 68. He's in that neighborhood percentage-wise, completion percentage-wise. But in, in, since his last interception, he's 125 for 190 for 1,636 yards with 10 touchdowns no interceptions and a passer rating of 110.3. So, you know what? And that you you know, you've been to practice, you'll hear the 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 familiar refrain of make a play, make a play, make a play. Well, you know, and we always we always patted Jimmy Garoppolo on the back. Oh, the resiliency when he makes a huge mistake, he comes back and he makes a play. That's great, but it would be even greater if you didn't make the huge mistake. And that's kind of where Brock Purdy is. I mean, he got away with a few last night, so you could, you know, but, you know, getting away with it is not making a mistake. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like you, you step off the curb and you didn't look both ways. Um, did you make a mistake? Well, you make a mistake if a bus is coming. Uh, you didn't make a mistake if nothing's coming. So, you know what I'm saying? It's like it, the results do ultimately define uh, whether it was a mistake or not. But Purdy, you know, yes, he makes plays, but what he really does is he avoids negative plays far better, far better than most players his age. I mean, you think about rookie quarterbacks around the NFL or even second-year quarterbacks around the NFL. They don't avoid mistakes and avoid negative plays at the rate that Brock Purdy does. 
Purdy takes care of the football. He processes what he sees. He throws with anticipation. The ball comes out fast and generally accurately. So, I mean, I you know, it wasn't a masterpiece. It wasn't perfect. But Brock Purdy is not, even in the face of a constant dizzying array of different blitzes, kept his poise and didn't turn it over. That right there, and then put up 30 points without his number one receiver on a short week. I mean, we can be critical all we want, but, man, that's pretty damn good, to be honest. Are they, are they mistakes that you can live with, or are they mistakes that are going to haunt you? The Niners are making live-with-them mistakes. By the way, you and I have made a live-with-it mistake. Look at how well we're executing, even though we, we're out of misalignment right here, Larry. It was just brought up to me. Uh, Easy Merc Z says, do you realize that Damon is in the Krug show box and Krug is in the Damon Bruce box? We're in the wrong boxes, Larry. There we go. See, now we're we're properly lined up. We needed to go ahead. Uh, I needed to uh, uh, Isaiah Oliver push you over to the proper spot on the field. <laughs> there you go, Mooney, Larry. Oh, Mooney, we can play Larry. with this all day, man. I mean, we, we can go like this. You know, hey, look, Damon's the star. Get the hell out of here. I'm the star. <laughs> no, you know what, Larry? Let's back us up. Let's Here's make us star. bigger. Here's the star. Give the real star of the show a close-up. Welcome, everyone, to 49ers Wake Up with Damon and Larry, brought to you by the Acai Bowl at Palmetto Superfoods. Look at how delicious that is. Tell me that's not a parfait that looks like the perfect way to start your day. I had this delivered last night. It is thought out enough where I get, oh, I forgot a spoon. I'm not just going to start eating it or else I'm going to get cocoa nibs all over my mustache. But this is an absolutely delicious, healthy, nutritious way to start your day. The best acai bowl you're going to find in the Bay Area. is. At can Palmetto you put it closer? Can you put it a yeah, little closer to the camera? Because I want to see. I mean, can you tilt it at all? Because the, right there where's Damon's finger, that those are bananas. Bananas. And then you've got the acai, you've got the coconut. There's something called a goji berry on there. I oh, the goji berries on top. Yeah. Oh, you got some strawberries on there as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's flat out. It's flat out delicious. It really you know, is. Uh, you know, so, you know, everything's got layers. This this layer right here. Coconut. Is, oh, the, know, that's the ACE, I believe. This is the ACE. This is the coconut something. This is the money right here. This is the dragon fruit, Larry. This, yeah, oh, uh, this the is dragon fruit is part. delicious. And uh, it's absolutely fantastic. This is called, I think, the Caribbean. This has got all sorts of uh, tropical action going on. I'm looking forward to getting to this bad boy a little bit later on. And it's also, you know what? And here's the thing. It's pretty. Girls like pretty. Go ahead. Find out that the hottest line of women in yoga pants you're going to find in San Francisco is at Palmetto Superfoods. Go ahead and get yourself an acai bowl. Gentlemen, it's a target-rich environment. That's all I'm going to tell you. It's just I'm just going to throw it out there. Politically correct, incorrect. <laughs> I think it's a selling point. I would put it forward if I were Palmetto. And I'm telling you, um, this is delicious, good for you food. It fills you up. You feel healthy. You don't feel fat when you eat it. And me having a meal where I don't feel like a fat boy at the end of it, I call that a big win every single time it happens, Larry. So there you go. Get yourself to Palmetto. It's great to have them here sponsoring 49ers Wake Up. I know we're getting closer. The locations are on the bottom there. San Francisco, yeah. Burlingame, Palo Alto, uh, future there. locations uh, in Campbell, Mill Valley, Berkeley, Walnut Creek, San Ramon, Mountain View, one in Southern California. They're working on opening one in Hawaii. Um, fantastic. 
absolutely fantastic. Mitch asked, can you customize them? Absolutely. This one right yes. here is called the Bay. This is like the signature. This is your starter acai bowl. This is called the Bay. And uh, it, it's it's repping the Bay. It's repping Brazil. Oi, tutu bang. Get yourself an acai bowl. Um, Larry, I, as like I said, we're approaching our 9 a.m. hour. We've been on for almost an hour. What I love about the simulcast is um, you are getting some super chats. I'm getting some super chats. I think I'll read some here. Same place. So let's get into them. Let's, yeah, let's, let's fire away. Them. Here we go. Ty Bud says slow start. Felt like a walkthrough. Brock Purdy was a little shaky. There you go. Ty Bud. Good I mean, morning, Ty. It, it wasn't the smoothest of starts for Brock. I'll agree with you there. There are throws he would like to have back, but again, nothing haunted, no mistake. An incomplete pass is not that bad of a play, all things considered. You know, yeah. as long as you and can and when you factor in that, when you factor in, you know, the the Giants' defensive game plan, there was going to be um, some good and bad, and and generally. Young quarterbacks are, start to be affected by all these blitzes and really start to turn it over. Maybe in the second half, we just didn't see it. Uh, Kyer 2021 says, great to not have 50 commercials an hour like KNBR. Hi, Look I'm Steve Moskowitz. Have you heard about the PPPPPP loan? PPP? There's no cars for kids ads here. <laughs> all right. James T. Kirk. Has become a YouTube member, and you know what? I don't know is that if he's a member of your channel or my channel, but we always give a little clap Larry, for all of the YouTube members. Memberships. We haven't advanced that far down the road. Once we get to 10,000 subscribers, we're going to open up some memberships at a million dollars okay. a membership. I don't know what you're charging, but a million dollars to become a member. <laughs> you know, mine's it's only $10,000, but James, oh, you'll please. get the invoice at the end of the month. Thank you for uh, being a, a member. No, we're just joking on that. And uh, for Life Niner, who was in the chat last night, back in the chat yep. this morning, Krug, how was that not a safety on uh, you know for Nick Bosa? Yeah, we kind of already hit that. It's I thought it was to be completely honest. For Life Niner doubles back. He's empty in the clip. He says, "Can we not uh, do the over the middle throws versus?" Versus uh, the Cowboys. Versus the Cowboys. Oh, cow you. ladies. See what he did there. You Actually, saw, yeah. going, you're going for cowgirl. That is the. I've never heard of a cow lady, but the cowgirl is an actual figure in the historic Western culture of America. You know, so. it's funny. I saw a couple of my content creator friends bemoaning the Cowboys losing Trevon Diggs. It's like, okay, I'm. It's bad form to root for injuries, but I don't need to bemoan other teams' injuries. That's for sure. Oh, no, no one's rooting for anything. Let me tell you how good of a night it was for the 49ers last night. Not only did they win, but the Dallas Cowboys lost star corner uh, Trayvon Diggs to a torn ACL in yeah. practice. And, folks, if that doesn't just show you how, you know, on a razor wire, every single team's prospects of winning an ultimate prize really are. I'm going to tell you what's what's great about Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey, every single time he touches the ball, can take it to the house. The thing that's scary about Christian McCaffrey is that every single time he touches the ball, he has Super Bowl aspirations riding with him on that carry. And if one of these carries, he doesn't get up for the remainder of the season, that's going to be it. The 49ers will not be winning a Super Bowl without Christian McCaffrey this year. So, you know, don't go rooting for any injuries because this team is one injury away to that one guy from not looking anything like this. One thing also to mention about McCaffrey, um, he has now scored a touchdown in 12 consecutive games. 
um, and that includes regular season and playoffs. That matches Jr. the great Jerry Rice, in 1987 for the longest such streak in 49er history. In fact, the record for most consecutive games with a touchdown is set by Emmett Smith with the Cowboys. 14 straight games, Emmett hit pay dirt. Arian Foster, second on that list with 13, and third on the list is CMC. So that's pretty. That's pretty good category. I know people don't maybe not don't remember Arian Foster, but there was a period there where he was absolutely on top of the top of the NFL world. And Emmett is one of the all time greats. Arian Foster, along with a Priest Holmes season many many years ago, uh, brought me to the top of a fantasy football league. So I remember that Arian that 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 year that he had. But look, this is uh, it. I, I say without reservation, Larry. The 49ers won the Christian McCaffrey trade. <laughs> oh my God. He is just, he is best. I don't, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that he is the best skill position player the 49ers have had, maybe since Jerry Rice. I, I don't think it's an exaggeration. I mean, you know, he he's he's done something that only Jerry Rice has ever done. So that kind of puts him in that conversation. You know, when I think of essential guys, like this offense does not run without player X. Who fits the X well? When are you ever going to say, like, you know, some Alex Smith teams would not have functioned without Vernon Davis? Oh, okay, I'll, like, I'll give you that. Vernon Davis was maybe the most important offensive weapon for a while for the 49ers. You know, Michael Crabtree was supposed to be that, never really became that. J.J. Stokes maybe didn't. Uh, you know, Frank Gore, obviously a great player, but he never had the week in week out holy shit level of games that christian mccaffrey is having um, and Quan bolden was a nice niner but yeah no i mean how about this in games mccaffrey has started since last season the 49ers are 15 and 1 15 and 1 is that good that's 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 decent. I mean, you know, and credit John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan. I mean, they passed on McCaffrey in twenty seventeen. They took Solomon Thomas and all the people that were saying, Oh, they should have taken Mahomes, they should have taken Mahomes. Okay, that's twenty twenty hindsight. I think really what bothered Lynch was that they didn't take McCaffrey. Because they McCaffrey went eighth in that draft and and they had the third pick overall. They probably if they didn't want to take a quarterback, they probably should have taken CMC. Instead they took uh Solly. And Solly's a good player. He's a you know, hard working player for the Jets. He's still in the league. It's not like Solly Thomas is washed out. He's decent. He's got a high motor, he can do some things, but he ain't Christian. And Christian is you know, it's funny, Todd Husack, the old Stanford quarterback, and I used to debate this. I thought Christian McCaffrey was going to be kind of more of a part-time player um, because of, and I, my, I stated it to Todd. I said, I think he's not going to show enough durability. I don't think he, I think he runs upright. He's going to take hits. He's not going to be durable. And it's funny. He busted onto the scene. He was awesome. Todd was like, Hey, Krug told you, told you. Then, then he had a couple years there where he was hurt and Krug went back to Husack and said, Hey, Todd, told you, told you. And now Todd's having the last laugh uh, because Christian is been very healthy with the 49ers, and he leads the NFL in rushing by a wide margin. Um, and not just because the Niners played on Thursday night and everybody else plays um, this weekend. Coming into last night's game, Christian McCaffrey had 268 rushing yards, second in the league, Bijan Robinson at 180. 
third in the league, the Eagles, DeAndre Swift at 178. So CMC has been, he first of all, he's a perfect fit for this offense, perfect fit for how Shanahan wants to utilize him. But he's also been healthy with the 49ers. And in with all these weapons, I mean, what an addition. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal trade. Absolutely phenomenal. He's a finally realized idea for Kyle Shanahan. He finally has the queen on his chessboard. To the very beginning of the Kyle Shanahan era, he took a shot at finding a queen on the chessboard. His name was Jarek McKinnon. But unfortunately, he went down, he got hurt, and so he didn't have the what he hoped to be an equivalent of Christian McCaffrey. And then in the following running backs that he picked, you know, Carlos Hyde wasn't that breed of player. Uh, other running backs that have come to Jeff through. Wilson, Raheem yeah. Mostert, they've been good. Good, not exactly. Very good, but not quite the McCaffrey level of versatile. This guy, how about this, Larry? If he never, ever, ever, ever took another snap at running back and spent the rest of his career at slot receiver, you'd have a hell of an NFL player. You know, I mean, that's that's who we. You know, it's, I can remember the day before the Niners traded for him. I did an interview with a Niner beat writer, and I'm not going to name him just because I don't. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, and I'm not trying to. Uh, uh, it was nothing, nothing against him, but I in the interview I said because there were a lot of rumors. Are the Niners going to trade for Christian McCaffrey? And I asked this guy, I said, "Hey, you think the 49ers are going to trade for Christian McCaffrey?" And he said, "Nah, nah." And I said, "Why? He seems like a perfect fit." And he's like, because they don't need him. They have Jeff Wilson. They have Elijah Mitchell. And it was all true. Like, I mean, Jeff Wilson was really, really solid. And he was a team leader. And Elijah Mitchell was damn good. You know, six-round pick, kind of a find. But they're not Christian McCaffrey. You know what I mean? And I loved what I saw last night out of Elijah Mitchell. He had a nice, beautiful 18-yard run. And I, I want to see more of Elijah Mitchell. In some ways, I think he's the perfect complement to McCaffrey. Why? Because McCaffrey can catch the ball. McCaffrey's dynamic. And what is Mitchell? Mitchell is a small back, but he's got great vision and instincts and pick and slide. He never fumbles. He always falls forward. And he he he's the perfect guy to he doesn't he avoids negative runs. You're not going to have you know minus eight and all these crazy runs. I mean, you may have catch a pass behind the line of scrimmage and get tackled, but if you hand him the ball and it's blocked for two, he's getting two, three, or four. If it's if it's if it's supposed to be five, he's going to get five, maybe six. Now he always falls forward. So I really love the combination of the way Kyle used the backs last year, and I think when we get down to the nitty gritty, he's going to use them that way again. McCaffrey a ton in the first half, build that lead, and in the second half when you're just trying to you know put the game away, you hand the ball to either Elijah Mitchell or J.P. Mason and let them and let them do their work. Why Mason's, you know I like Mitchell because he he's only fumbled I think he fumbled once in college I think he's fumbled once in the NFL so he's very dependable. And uh, he, he took some big hits. And he took a couple hits last night that he wasn't even anticipating, where he took hits from behind with guys that he didn't even see coming. And still the ball doesn't pop out. So it's a great sign, you know. And, um, and to me, last night wouldn't have been fully complete as a, as a good game plan if they hadn't worked in those other two backs, and they did. Let's fire away these last couple um, one, one supers. Yeah, one, yeah. More, one more note. What we thought, what I thought was very much in evidence, again, after thinking about it, last night's game was sort of an explanation of running back value in this league as this league is sort of 
you know, stumbling and bubbling around what a running back's value should be. It was the number one topic in the NFL offseason, not paying running backs, not drafting, using high picks on running backs. Well, you know what? The Falcons did that with Bijan. They're very happy. When you got a player that you think can be an impact, you shouldn't hesitate to draft them anywhere if you think they're going to help your team. And then what do you do when it comes to paying a running back? Well, McCaffrey is the highest paid running back in the NFL, and he showed you why he's worth that last night. Now, the New York Giants, you know, they tiptoed around an extension for Saquon Barkley. An injury pulls him off the field. Well, what do you got without him, New York? You know, you, you want to talk about the value of a running back? I don't know what you wanted to, didn't want to pay Saquon Barkley, but without him, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to win a single game probably until he comes back. You know, the Giants are are probably looking at a one and four, one and five start to this year if Barkley's not back. They were held to 150 yards last night because Barkley is 45, 50% of their offense. And when that is who your running back is, and then what, like an arbitration, you're trying to make a, an argument that he's not worth the money? Like, look around, look at who you are, look at the team that how you're constructed and what you are without the guy. So I thought that last night was a little bit of a, a, a run it in real time experiment of running back value in this league. Look at what the highest paid guys does for the 49ers. He's now scoring touchdowns like Jerry Rice and producing points that not even Hall of Fame quarterbacks produced on a weekly basis. And over here, the team that tiptoed around its running back has lost him now due to injury, and it's it's basically taken their entire offense and thrown it in the dumpster. So um, a lot of running back value on full display. It's amazing what actual football games do to define what football value really is. Like you can have your front office, your plan, your cap, you can plan it all very, very well, but then a football game happens and that's where the truth lies. And the truth has always been really good running backs are important for really good football teams and how the NFL no convinced itself otherwise, because they're just so afraid to put so much of a, uh, you know, a, a, a ratio of a cap into an off injured position. Like I get it. But if you're in, if you're in the business of football, you're in the business of running back risk. It's just, they're tied together. It, it happens. Um, Larry they do, Lewis. dude. They do. I mean, it's a totally separate yeah. conversation and right. I don't want to take us down this rabbit hole, but after watching Nick Chubb, you know, we saw that injury. That's why running backs want to get paid. And that's why teams don't want to pay them. Yes. All in one. And um, the NFL needs to address this because um, these guys are valuable. You cannot have a conversation about we need to win on Sunday. We need to win on Monday. We need to win on Thursday. We need to win a Super Bowl. Nobody can even have any conversation about this. It always starts with, well, we got to establish the run. Or on defense, hey, man, we got to take away the run. We got to take away the run. Um, and Welcome so something you. has to be done outside of the current CBA to, to just, you know, recognize that these guys face an unbelievable amount of punishment and they have to have their own category, their own pay structure. It needs to make sense. There, there's me- there's a lot of smart people that run these leagues. Um, they need to create a mechanism on the new CBA where it protects the running backs from all the abuse that they take. Um, while at the same time protecting the team um, from from the vulnerability of, of losing such player. 
but I mean, it's just right now it's, it's, it's not the running backs are being devalued and yet they're very much needed. So that's kind of a contradiction. It's like, are they important? Well, I don't know. They aren't on draft day, but they sure are on game day. You know, I mean, uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to be traded here in a few weeks, and there's going to be all kinds of teams that are going to line up and say, we want them, we want them, we want them. But then I'm reading that now the Colts aren't even going to get a first-round pick for them, that they're probably going to have to take a second or a third for them. So it's like, what is it? Is it these guys incredibly valuable and you got to have them? Or are they not valuable and they're not worth paying for in the draft or in contract or in trade? So, I mean, right now we're in this kind of murky period, and I think that the running backs almost need to have an emergency meeting and band together and figure out a way to create a mechanism within the CBA, which doesn't come up for several years, but they need to make an amendment here to the CBA and make sure that both sides are covered, that the backs are covered. Maybe there's some guarantees for injuries. Maybe those guarantees uh, don't go against the cap, so the teams are somehow covered. There needs to be something that recognizes that these that this is an important position and a brutally violent position um, and one that's not a long-term deal. So, And by the way, on CMC, his longest run last night went for just 12 yards, but he was very consistent. He averaged nearly five yards per carry despite not having that big, you know, 40-yard run, you know, like we saw in the first couple of weeks. 12-yard run was his longest run, but he still went for almost five a, car- five a, five a pop. That's impressive.